Hello and welcome to In the Weeds. We're recording live from the Picky Weeds Esoteric Occult Boutique, located just south of Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, in beautiful South Abington Township. Picky Weeds is the largest and most diverse boutique of its kind in Northeast Pennsylvania, with an increasingly wide variety of items for many traditions. In addition to items for sale, Picky Weeds hosts a wide variety of classes, events, and community-driven gatherings throughout the year. Picky Weeds is located at 105 Layton Road, South Abington Township, PA. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. More information can be found at www.pickyweeds.com. That's P-I-C-K-E-Y-W-E-E-D-Z.com or on our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. In the Weeds is the official podcast for Picky Weeds, where we strive to bring the community together with topics of interest, guest speakers, and informative discussions to benefit the entire community. If you'd like to be a guest speaker, either live or remote call-in, please visit www.pickyweeds.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, find In the Weeds podcast guest application, click it, Copy and paste the text into an email with your contact information and send it to us at pickyweeds at gmail.com. Now, now let's, let's get, get in, in the, weeds. the weeds. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode three of In the Weeds with Picky Weeds. I'm Tay and John's here with me today and we're going to be your host. Um, we're going to be talking about Witchcraft 101, the tools needed and some and give you some insights into how to get started. Yeah, so uh, quick quick answer to that is uh, none. Okay, thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> this podcast is now ended. No, all, all joking aside. So tools can be really, really helpful when you're first starting out. Are they necessary? No. Are they helpful? Absolutely. Because what they do is they help direct your focus and attention and help you direct your energy. So some of the first ones we're going to start with are going to be, a lot of people like to say, athame, athame. All right. Um, I call them daggers because I'm just, you know, so anti names, labels. It's it's a blade. but (laughs) It's a pointy thing. Yes, it's a pointy thing. And so things like daggers and swords are, your knives and your swords are basically your elements of air. Um, There's also wands. Um, Wands are your elements of fire. Okay. Um, you have your chalices. It's your it's your symbolism, your element for water. And pinnacles, like you could have an altar tile or something like that, or actual pinnacles, or use coins, um, and they are representative of earth. You're also going to want to have something like a cloak. You might want to have a staff. Um, you might want to have bells. Uh, we'll get into all of that and why. But let's start off first and talk about candle colors. So, John, basically, what candles do we use when we're casting? Well, a lot of that depends, right? So, in our tradition, maybe different from yours, or maybe different from your friends or someone else. Um, but traditionally, um, we're going to use a black and a white candle at the centerpiece of the altar, um, and that's just basically the light and the dark united as one, right? Um, Fire would be red. Earth would be brown. Blue is water. What am I missing? Yellow or or gray for spirit. Yep. Yeah. But these are all a personal Fair. thing, right? So you're going to read read books, and they're going to tell you this is what candle you use for that. This is what candle you use for that. It it comes down to your personal preference. You can use a white candle for everything. You can yes, use you a black can. candle for everything. If there's such a thing as a purple polka dotted candle, if you make it represent what your will is to represent, that's what it represents. That's exactly right. So, so you can take a candle and use it in a lot of ways. You can bomb a candle. Um, and when I say what's, bombing, what's that mean? You can very, very funny, smart ass. So you're going to take it and you're going to dress it. We call them dressed or undressed candles. You're going to bomb it with oils, and you might want to roll it in herbs and powders and resins. You might even want to carve it. A lot of times I will take – I don't use the ceremonial dagger for this most of the time unless I am using the dagger in the ritual – 
And I want it to be representative of the same affectation, the same intention. So <clears throat> a lot of times I'll use what's known as a burin. And it is another ritual tool. We said we were going to talk about tools that is used in bloodletting and candle carving. And some magic requires blood offering. That's you know, a little bit on the different ceremony and end of the spectrum of things. But remember, when you're doing this, this is very, very serious. And you're forming an attachment or pact to whatever it is you're summoning. Ooh, you know, what you're calling. I've heard that pact. before. Where have we heard this word before? Mm. Is that our secret word again for today or no? no? No. Okay, guys, that's the trick. That was a trick question. So we, we'll get back to that. But the burin is, it's usually a single point at one end. It can be a couple points at the other end. It can be a really pretty carved ebony, ivory handle, you know, whatever. But it's basically used for most cases people are using it to carve candles. And so I'll light a singular candle and I'll carve my imagery, my sigil, whatever I want into the candle that I'm going to use for ritual. So if it's, you know, if it's a fancy ritual, <laughs> I've probably got a sigil fancy. or a symbol for the god or goddess, you know, whatever I'm doing. If it's ritual crafting where I'm spell working, I'm working on a healing or something, I'll probably have some sigils carved into the candle for healing. And that person's name and maybe their birth date, you know, or whatever's whatever's affecting them at the time and the malady. And I'm carving that generally if it's me and you can use whatever candle you want, whatever color you want. But if I'm working a healing, I'm usually using a blue candle and I'm carving that with the burin. So that's one of the other ritual tools that we use. And we were talking about candle colors and we were talking about directions and things of that nature. So I want to kind of branch off there because we go into next which direction. So, John, which direction do you start in? I generally start in the east, um, and that's just from our tradition. Um, uh, and work my way, Jashal, to borrow from Wicca, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meaning sunwise, clockwise, um, around to the different elements in the different directions um, until I'm back at east again. Um, but that's how I do it. Is it the way you should do it? Yeah, maybe, you know, it, it's up to you. No, yeah. And see, with some of my native ancestors, a lot of us will start south. So, and then it has been posited that ceremonial magic, because it came from Europe, they used east as their direction for air and west as their direction for water. Whereas because of the landmass we sit on, west of us is more land and air. And east of us is more water. So are we practicing correctly? If you know, if we're still doing east for air and west for water, maybe not. You know, so it honestly comes down to, hey, what feels good to you? What feels more authentic to you? Let's do it. And then for us, we have, you heard us say, east, air, south, fire, west, water, north, earth. But when my ancestors practice, um, South is going to belong to an animal spirit, <laughs> and it's going to it's going to have a meaning in its direction. So, and it depends on where the indigenous comes from, what animal it is. In some in some places, it could be you know it could be salamander. In some places, it could be snake. In other places, it could be something completely different. So, you you really need to know you know these traditions if you're going to practice them and um, realize that not everybody does it the same way. And I guess the reason that we're kind of going over this is because we've had problems with practitioners coming in and trying to talk to other practitioners if they're doing as if they're doing something wrong. They're not doing something wrong. They're doing it their way. So these associations are yours to beg, borrow, or choose, you know, and use it use as you so desire. And that having been said, that's the differences. So let's talk about um, what you might want to take with you into ritual. You want to kick that off, John, as far as other things other than your ceremonial tools and your and your um, candles? Well, bear in mind that tools are just that, right? They're meant to enhance. They're not necessarily a requirement. So if you don't have the money and you don't have the means or you don't know where to get one, don't stress about it and think that you absolutely have to have this stuff. You don't. All you need to bring in the woods is you and your absolutely. will. Your will, you are the magic. Everything inside you is the magic. The magic is not in the pretty dagger. The magic is not in the fancy staff or the pretty cloak. It's you. It's all you. So these are just add-ons to give a little bit more punch to help you get in the right frame of mind. One of the favorite ones of mine is a cloak. 
yes. the cloak. When you raise the hood, it's kind of like, you know, turning the baseball hat around backwards. You know, <laughs> shit got real. Let's go. Shit got real. Right. <laughs> Hold my beer. <clears throat> so when the, when the hood goes up, you're blocking out the outside world. You're blocking out the material world. You're ready to walk in spirit, so to speak. You're ready to work. Um, and, and really, that's the best analogy is that baseball hat. Yes. <laughs> All right, now. Put that sucker in overdrive. Let's right. go. So the, the cloak is, is, you know, not meant to draw attention. And matter of fact, it's, it's to cloak yourself, to become one with everything around you, the seen and the unseen. Yes. I think the cloak is one of the most important to me. I do, too. I think the minute that I put it on, um, everything changes. That's why I don't, you know, I wear a completely different style of cloak out in public. My ritual cloak is for the gods. It's like you've heard that uh, the hair is the woman's glory, the mantle. Uh, For me, that's the cloak. And when I pull that up and over, I've secured myself with my ancestors and my gods within that cloak. And my entire purpose on this earth is to commune with them. So... That's that's just how we mark the seriousness of what it is we do. We walk out to our ritual area in that, and then I might begin, you know, singing up the wind. And then, then we start after and set the stage, in which we might have, if you're doing it, we do it outdoors um, most of the time. You know, if I'm doing anything indoors, it's usually light, you know, light spell work. Serious ritual for us is generally done outdoors in the middle of the woods so that we're in, we're in full commune with communion with nature. But if you're doing it at home, you might want to have on the side and you can put these, you don't have to get fancy. Yeah. There are beautiful offering bowls. There's, there's gorgeous stuff. And a lot of times I get it. You want to have that on the altar because you want your gods, your goddesses and your ancestors to see how much they mean to you. But you're going to want a bowl of salt. You're going to want a cup of water or a bowl of water. You're going to want some flowers. You, you might want some crystals or some stones. But like John said, if you're broke, walk out in the yard Pick some flowers, pick some leaves, pick up some pretty rocks, make them a cup of tea and a plate of your food, and go do ritual. Go do ritual. You know, go sip with them and share a cup. Because if you were sitting at an ancestor's table, what would you be doing? And basically, the whole the whole meaning behind this is to sit at the ancestor's table, to sit down with your gods, to commune with them, and to share. And so you're venerating them on these high days. You're celebrating them as if it was their birthday. I mean, so think about it like that. You're, you're going to their house with gifts. You're going to their house with food if you don't have money for gifts. You never go empty-handed. You're coming out to make a big deal about what they mean to you and let them see it. Yep, 100%. And there, there are rituals that revolve around tools you know especially daggers and chalices you know you'll see a lot of wiccan ceremony like that you know where they the dagger goes into the chalice you know symbolizing you know use your imagination um they don't have to use their imagination we're adults here (laughs) some of us are um (laughs) the, the sword the sword you'll see in a lot of high magic rituals um bells rattles shakers Things to call attention to spirit, things to call attention in the room to cleanse. It's it's a like an instant sound sound cleanse of this space. Like something sacred is going to happen here. This bell is ringing. That that bell is ringing not just to get your attention, but to get the spirit's attention. Like this is a, a place of sacred work. It is about to begin. You're invited. We want you here. The rattle is the same. You know, you'll see a lot of people use a shaker or a rattle. It's the same concept. You're creating sacred space. You're inviting the unseen world in. Yes. And, you know, a lot of us go to this with the, with the idea that the accoutrements, you know, it's not necessary. But honestly, the pageantry of it, the ceremony of it, it makes it so much more meaningful and beautiful and so much more eye appealing. So if you can't afford it, do it. If you can't afford it, create it. You know, there is nothing wrong with going out in the woods and pulling a branch off the tree and making yourself a wand or or taking a sharp object or, you know, flinting and making yourself a dagger. You know, and as a matter of fact, it's probably a more sacred act to, to do those kind of things, too, because you've put every ounce of your energy and the purpose for making it into that weapon, which makes it that much stronger. So your entire focus, though, 
bring this back to make making yourself understand like when we we pierce the veil with the sword it's an act of of it's not a visualization it is it's a visual effect but you're actually opening the way right you're road opening with that so um when you're doing these spells and you're using these tools make sure that you understand the meaning behind them you know what their element their elemental reasoning is and i kind of tend to assign a meaning to each tool or a god or goddess or a, a specific sect of ancestors to my tools and that way, I use those for those purposes. But if you saw my table right now, you'd never know that. I think I have every single god or goddess on the table with exception to maybe one because I've been feeding them a lot lately. So that's another thing, too, you might want to consider for your chalice, a chalice that you use in addition to use just for feeding your ancestors because I try to do that and make sure they have a home here. And in the, in the shop, too, we, we try to make sure there's, there's food and there's drink on the table for them. And then I pour those libations in sort of a ritual every day and invite them in and invite them to bless all of you too. So, And one, one thing to remember, and going back to taking, harvesting something from nature, Ask. don't just take it. it. It belongs there. And if it presents itself where it draws your attention, leave an offering. Ooh. Ask before you do it. If you feel like it's still the right thing to do, leave something of yours behind. Absolutely. Nothing's for free. Right? No. Especially in magic. Nothing's for free. You we don't we don't get on our knees and prostate before anything. We we it's a it's a exchange, whether it's hard work or whether it's coins or something shiny or a sacred herb. Uh kneel and say some words, do something that feels appropriate so that it's an even exchange. Don't just take something because it's pretty and leave it, leave nothing like you have an entitlement to it. You always want to keep humility, right? Yes. So that, that, that discarded dead tree that has a great branch that looks like it would make a great staff. Awesome. Ask first. It had a family. Ask first. And then if, if appropriate, then take it, but leave something. Absolutely. Offer something to the spirits for that gift. And you want to think about it in the vein, if you think about back in the old days, when people still showed a lot of deep and abiding respect for the land and the animals that they took. Um, hunters would often do a full ritual in thanking the animal for its life and showing gratitude for that animal, giving its life to feed their family. And this is pretty much in the same vernacular. You're doing it for the same reason. It's living in harmony with and in accordance with nature. You, you are a pagan. And the whole purpose of us taking the, the, the word back as our country dweller selves that we are and turning it from a slur into a positive is that we were very proud and very happy to live in accordance with and as a part of nature. We recognized our place in the universe. Unfortunately, the Romans didn't. But look what happened to them. And that's the word of warning that comes from that. <laughs> Boudica. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boudica. I love her so much. But yeah, no, we, we need to learn a lot more of that today. And I think we need to spread it far and wide when we see, you know, a lot of people living outside the bounds or thinking they can dominate nature or take control and command over it rather than showing gratitude and thanks for the nurturing that it's provided us. Um, we see a lot of natural disasters and we suffered one here. So it's it's one of those things that I think we need to think a whole lot more lovingly and longingly about the way we should be treating the mother and the way we should be treating her inhabitants. Where's my soapbox? Yeah, right? My soap oh, oh, it, oh it there it is. Hold it's on. under my feet. Hold get, on. I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll give it back to you. get my soapbox here. <laughs> but you need to think about what else you're taking with you. Like when we first started practicing as a coven and I finally gave up my solitary ways and said, okay, fine. I'll join your little coven. It's fine. I'll initiate. Damn you, Chris. Um, the neophyte <laughs> got to carry all the tools. And some of the tools that we carried, it was like seven-day candles, the big jarred ones. Um, and we carried one for the, you know, the black, the white, and one for the four 
quarters, you know, so, and we might carry some for the center, depending on what we were doing, you know, if we're working a healing or something like that during this whole debacle, then you have a bunch you got to go around the bonfire. And then you carry your incense as you carry different ones. Usually John and I will do, you know, especially on the high days, a different incense for each direction and then a different incense set for the altar. So we're carrying that, and then we're carrying herbs for our offerings, flowers for our offering, milk and honey. We're carrying beer and stout and wine and liquor because we pour a lot of libations and a lot of offerings. And then, well, we drink a lot afterwards. I guess <laughs> usually we've been going without and fasting, and we've been working hard. And well, it's thirsty work and it's hungry work. It's time to get pissed. <laughs> so you want to think about the herbs and the stones and things that you want to carry. So when you're thinking about these things, you also want to think about those gifts we spoke about. Because as we're walking into the woods, and ours is a two and a half mile hike back in the woods when we're at Itter Grove in Michigan. Um, so we walk by a lot of what I will call she trees. S-I-D-H-E, she trees. And they're those trees that have holes in them that have inhabitants down inside the holes. And I'm terrible. I can't walk past a single one without offering it some of my drink. So I had to carry extra drinks. I'd offer it some of my drink, some silver change if I had candy on me, if I had shiny stones on me. I'm putting those in each hole and thanking them for letting me pass and giving me safe passage through the woods. And I'm thanking them for letting me be their guest. Um, so think about things like that. You're carrying gifts and it can be something simple. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. If, if you've got a big five pound bag of rice, Hey, why not dye some of that before you go out and give them some pretty rice and a little bit of water as you go by? I mean, you're talking about feeding a tree protein and giving it water, you know, so leave these gifts and then think about the gifts that you want to leave once you're done with circle. Once you thank them and you've closed and you tell them they can stay as long as they wish, but they can go as they please because you've now closed the circle, leave them a gift. Take something that you don't mind giving up if you come back and it's not still there. You know, glasses. Um, you know, the, the wear for the drinks and stuff. Or you can do the, the, the same thing because, you know, some of this stuff might get blown away and might cause waste. You can do the bamboo recyclables that you know will break down. And leave them a cup of your wine. Leave them a little bit of your food. And let them partake when you're gone. And nightly at the shop, um, when I come in, I'll do the, the pouring of the, the libation, the, the offering for the offer for the altar. Well, the next day I'm coming in, and because I'm working with local spirits a lot, I go outside and pour a libation of that to them and thank them for their, their blessings and show some gratitude and raise a little wind and um, get bit on the foot by snake every now and then. But, you know, it's okay. It's all right. It wasn't venomous, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's merely a flesh wound. It's merely a flesh wound. But you, know, you notice there's a recurring theme here, and that, that is of working in alignment with nature, working Absolutely. with it, um, taking it seriously. And it's a way of life, not just something to do. And when I was talking about my soapbox, it's the people that come in and just want to cast a spell on someone. Yeah. I just need to know how to cast a spell on someone. Okay. So that's part of spiritual practice and spiritual practice should be taken upon for a lot, a, a much more sincere reason than just getting back at somebody or getting something that you want or to make someone fall in love with you and just other surface crap materialistic you know take it take it seriously if if you're going to be a witch then be a witch be it 24 7 yes not not just when you want to cast a spell on someone that's that's a very half-assed um, adolescent view of magic yeah it's a it's a it's like the spectator version yeah you just want to jump in so these are things to take seriously these this is the way we live our lives and to come in and ask someone, how do I do, how do I do this quick spell? Okay. Well, I can tell you how to do a quick spell, but how strong is it going to be if you haven't actually dedicated any time, anything from yourself? You don't have any skin in the game. You've, You're a novice. You've, you've not put the work in and, and it, it probably, who knows? It might work, might work great. Well, likelihood, probably not. It's probably not going to land at all. You know, this is a give-and-take relationship, yeah. and it's not a take-take-take 
relationship. It doesn't work that way. It's just like going to the woods and, oh, this is my new staff. And did you offer anything for that? Well, no, it was just laying there. Okay. So you see maybe something wrong with that. You know, yeah. it's, it's honoring, honoring the path. It's honoring the natural world. It's honoring the spirits and the spiritual world and honoring yourself by showing that you have, you have that honor. Right. So before you ask to do a, how do I do this spell? Maybe learn a little bit about the path first. Maybe learn a little bit about and, and put some time in. Yeah. Cleansing, you know, banishing, that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, right. practitioners that, you know, are dedicated and then actually walk the walk and talk to talk and they need it. You know, how do we go about doing this? That's a completely different question even though it's the same question because of their perspective you know, you have someone that is dedicated to it and put in time as opposed to someone who just wants to use magic as a quick fix yeah it's how do i speak with my higher guard my my holy guardian angel uh my higher self or how do i hex this bitch she pissed me off yeah yeah yep yeah. just because she pissed you off doesn't mean you need to hex her it means you might you might need a cord cutting you don't need to go that far um, or you might need yeah. to look at yourself. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you're maybe, maybe you're, you're the, the reason. <laughs> you're the problem. It's you. <laughs> yeah, it's me. And and honestly, when it comes down to these things, there's a whole lot of of things you need to get in check uh, before you start a catalyst like that. And one of those things is learning how to manage your own will and learning how to to actually project your energy. And one of the first things you need to learn to do before you learn how to project your own is how to feel somebody else's. Start paying attention when something raises your hackles. Start paying attention when you're around a crowd and someone makes you feel heavy like a lead weight. And try to discern if it's you or if it's them. And you know that difference. I think I've said this before, and I don't remember if I mentioned this in episode one. You'll know when it's somebody else because you'll feel it really heavily internally. You'll feel like something is pushing you down. You'll feel the hair is raising up on your body. You'll feel the weight in your sternum and right in your solar plexus pressing downward. And you'll you'll feel it coming as an external force Otherwise, if you don't and you just seize up when you walk in a room, it might be because you have a little PTSD or you're, you're a little sensitive to crowds and things like that and have some sensory issues that, that are bothering you. So it might be a little bit more of a task for somebody with those debilitating um, kind of uh, maladies to figure out if it's coming externally or, or if it's coming internally. But that's the start on the path is learning how to sense and feel energy and how to redirect it away from you when you're feeling it, okay? How to keep on having your your life and leading it normally while redirecting that energy and flowing like water around it mm-hmm. and just keep moving forward. And once you learn that, then you learn how to go home and cleanse and ground yourself and get rid of it, you know, because you carry a lot of that weight home. You ever go home at the end of your day and you feel really, really fatigued and you can't figure out why because you didn't really do that much, you know, physically? Well, it's energy. And it's other people's emotions have plagued on you and worn you to a bare thread. And you just want to go and sit on your couch. And next thing you know, five minutes after you sit down, you're knocked out and you can't figure out why the hell you're so tired. You're absorbing other people's energy. We call that Monday. Yeah, well, Monday. We call that any day. You think, why? Are you kidding me? But you need to learn how to shed that, and you need to learn how to cleanse yourself and how, um, how to rid yourself of that. And then the next step after that, and this is Witchcraft 101, guys, is learning how to bubble yourself and how to protect yourself psychically so that when you go out, you don't bring that stuff home. You leave it where you are. You're going you're gonna to allow yourself to feel it, and you're going to learn to recognize it, and you're going to learn to ground yourself right then. Feel your feet sinking into the earth. Feel the power of the earth rising up into your legs as if you've grown roots and you're starting to pull nutrients from the soil with your very body. And learn how to feel all of that negative flowing out of you with that positive power flowing in before you take that home. Because as you become more and more adept at being a witch, you realize that home is temple. And home is sacred. And we don't go in that place with the zick. And we don't take it there because this is where we go to rest and recharge and get away from the world 
and be our most natural base selves. So that's a sacred place. So these are the tricks you need to learn before you start to try to cast stuff on people. Come on. Because how honestly well do you think that's going to work if you're absorbing everybody else's energy and your energy is errant and all over the place and sparking off everything? If you don't know how to direct that energy and focus your will, do you honestly think that hex is going to land or do you think it's going to come back and bite you in the ass? Hmm. What do you say, John? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just circling back to tools, you know, a lot of this stuff, like you say you don't have the money for a dagger, right? Or you just don't have the means, whatever. You Maybe you haven't found the right one, but you need to work, work something that t- typically has a dagger, right? Use your finger. Yes. Use your finger. You know, you've seen like the holy pictures of Jesus and all that where he's got the two fingers up. Yeah, use that to direct. That's juxtaposition, right. by the way. Yeah, just use that use that positioning as a director. So you can actually lay a dagger right on those fingers, right? So if you don't have the dagger, it's the same thing. You're directing your will, your energy towards an object, towards a direction. You, you, you're if if you're doing like the LBRP, you're you're doing the, the pentagrams with your finger instead of the dagger. It's fine. It works yeah. the same. You know, if if you don't have money for or the ability to get seven day candles, use tapers. Use a chime candle. Use yeah. whatever you got. Use the cheapies, people. You, you know, uh, you don't have to have fancy tools. You don't have to have. Um, all the perfect colors and say freaking picky weeds is out of freaking green candles again. Okay. So use a white one and look, I'm calling this one earth or um, put that, put that element on it. Yeah. Draw that element on it with your, with your, with your knife. You can use a kitchen butter knife if you don't have a dagger. Yeah. Who cares? You can use a fork. It doesn't matter. A toothpick. It's fine. We basically just wanted to give a quick overview of what the typical um, ritual tools are what their what their uses are uh, but always bear in mind these are extras right it's not something that you absolutely have to have well i really want to do this and practice but i gotta wait till i get the dagger no you no don't. you don't you don't you, that's, that's just like a little booster right or i can't find a cloak or i can't find a cloak in the color i want or i can't find the design that i want you don't need it shut your eyes your hood's up yeah right it, don't get caught up in the materialism um, where, where it prevents you from actually doing your practice. Yes. And jump in and break stuff. You know, um, most of what you're going to do is break your spirit when something doesn't land. But that's how you learn. So everybody's always telling me they're, they're afraid they're going to screw something up. Failure is how the human learns, and it is the best teacher out there. John and I would not be here today if we let failure stop us, because, oh, my God, have we failed hard. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and even in you know, a ritual, you know, that you flub the words, mm-hmm. you pronounce the name incorrectly, or you, you forgot your, your notes that you had worked painstakingly on, and now you're trying to pull it out of your ass, you know? The point is that you're there, that you have taken the time to dedicate this space to the work. You've made the effort to go to the placing of the work, and you're doing your best. And that's what really matters. You know, obviously, yeah, some things require, you know, you know, you get into formula of in the grimoires, right? The grimoire is just a big collection of formulas, right? So these all worked. Some guy wrote them down. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so you do the formula and you do it in the correct day and you do it in the right month and all all, right all, all the things line up and has a very good chance of success, right? Those you want to be a little bit more anal retentive on, but, you know, like recognize the holidays, the very act of recognizing the holiday, that you remembered the holiday in 2023, a pagan holiday. That, that goes hundreds back and hundreds of years ago, you know, yeah. millennia, and yeah. and you're there to mark the time the way your ancestors did. That that in and of itself is an act of love, and whether you flub the words or not, you're there. You you're did, showing devotion. You did it. Yeah. So absolutely. Don't sweat it. So guys, you've really got to you really got to think about these things. 
um, especially in ritual, when you're you're going out there, and uh, this is not totally a witchcraft one on one topic because this is a little more advanced. But when you're going out there to summon, or you're going out there to invoke, you really want to make sure you've cleansed the space. You've got to understand what you're dealing with here, and you got to make sure you've protected the space. And then the biggest takeaway from this is when you're done, don't leave that shit open for somebody to step in. Close that circle. Clean everything up. Dismiss everything. Give your thanks. Leave your gift. And leave it as clean as you found it. And that's, it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Because anywhere you raise energy, energy has a tendency to stay. So make sure you're dispersing. Make sure you're cleansing. Make sure you're dismissing. And when you're doing these, a lot of people come to us about cord cutting spells because they've got this toxic person in their life they can't rid themselves of. Is it enough just to tie a piece of rope or a piece of cord around some candles, say some names and say some things and cut them loose and light the candles and let it go? Probably not. So the one mistake I see a lot of people making is they don't think long enough and hard about enough about the outcome. So what you want to do before you express yourself in ritual with trying to rid a person of your from your life is what you want to see your life being like. And you need to see it in full. And you need to see the people that are around that person. Do you still want those people in your life? If you do, how are you going to deal with getting rid of this person? Okay, how are you going to deal with this cord cutting and make sure you're removing this toxicity from your life? So you need to really put some thought into how you want this to go before you sit down to do the ritual and do the calling and ask for the cutting. You want to make sure that you can envision your life fully without that person in it and anybody that might be attached to that person. And then you do the cord cutting. And then the likelihood is that it will work. I have so many people come back and say, well, I tried it. I tried it from this book. I tried it from that book. And the element, the number one element I'm seeing missing is they're they're not saying, you know, I really did. I really put a lot of thought into it. I saw them gone. I saw them leaving me alone. I saw my life and the effect of having that toxicity out of it, me being more happy and more centered and more focused. Um, I don't hear that. And those are the things you need to think about before you do ritual. And it, and these are the things you're going to think about every time you go to do ritual. Um, so, Johnny, you want to talk a little bit about banishing and how to do it? Yeah. So, typically, um, we'll do the lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram. Um, you're going to find this ritual in a lot of different traditions. It's in Wicca. It's in several uh, forms of ceremonial. Several lodges do this. It's a very common, fairly simple ritual. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to call on Jesus or the angels. I'm a freaking pagan. You have to understand that our definition of the angelic may not be the same as what you hear in the Baptist Church on a Sunday, right? Our, our version of angels is more of a supreme energy um, force. It's not uh, a dude with a halo and white wings. It, <laughs> They're not pretty. More like something with a thousand eyes. Um, uh, <clears throat> so it's okay. It's it's not necessarily uh, Abrahamic, right? Yeah, they, they call on angels and all the different Abrahamic religions do most of them have no concept, right? So in, whether we have the concept or not is debatable, right? But the, the closest thing that I, I can attribute them to is a, is a supreme force of energy, a supreme force of energy in that direction. They, I have no issue whatsoever calling on them. Um, and a lot of people feel uncomfortable and they want to change the ritual so that um, instead of Mikael, they're calling on a different deity. I guess that's fine if it works for you. Um, it's a personal preference thing. Um, I prefer to keep it the way that it was written because, again, it's a formula. It works. It cleanses the space. Um, one thing to bear in mind is the LBRP has a tendency to cleanse the space completely. Um, there may be some spirits that you didn't want to go away. Yeah. Um, you may you may need to... Uh, think about that before before you do the lprp because it's it's kind of like a magic eraser okay? a big <laughs> reset button it 
everything. Gets rid of everything. Big bald gal with muscles. Um, so a lot of times we'll do that before before the ritual and after the ritual. We do it in the store every day to make sure the space is clean psychically so people aren't walking into a dumpster fire of trauma that you know somebody brought in inadvertently. They just have a lot of bad juju on them, right? You've walked into other other places, stores, I'm sure, I know I have, um, where it's just, it feels like a cesspool, a psychic cesspool. Yeah. And um, they don't cleanse. They don't yeah. clean. People are doing divinations. There's lots of sadness and lots of trauma and lots of uh, just ick everywhere. And um, they don't clean. Um, so we, we, we feel it's very important that it's a, not only do we vacuum and dust <laughs> um, to present a, a clean environment for people, but it's also psychically clean. Uh, so especially those empaths out there, um, I'm one of them. Yeah, um, same. You don't, you don't hit the, hit the wall of, Ugh. yeah, and it feels like a welcoming safe space. So LBRP, if you'd like some visual direction on it, um, foolish fish on YouTube, if you look up his channel and look up the LBRP, he does a excellent job of breaking it down and putting it together. Um, probably the best demonstration I've seen, uh, at least on YouTube. Um, there's another one, Brandy Joy. She does a fairly good job, too. I think Foolish Fish goes a little bit deeper um, in his explanations. Um, and, and that's a great channel, by the way, especially if you're into books. Uh, Foolish Fish has a just a give him a shout out because he does some in-depth reviews of occult texts from around the world. And he's just an all around great guy. So highly recommend, but yeah, LBRP is a good ritual. One of the first ones to learn. Um, and the thing about that ritual, when you first start, you know, look, we all had flashcards or we had somebody there that was yelling at us. No, that's not what you say. <laughs> or you get the brain fart and you're halfway through it and you don't remember what the next line or the direction or anything. Do what you got to do. You, use the use the help. You know, if you have someone to help you learn it or if you have to hold the, the book in front of you while you're doing it, whatever helps you to memorize it. But like all ritual, when you... And it's kind of like a musician, right? You've learned that sheet of music. You've stared at the songbook for however long it took you to commit that song to memory. So you have the rough motor motions committed to memory. It's when you do it playing from the heart, right? When you, when you hear a musician and they're playing the song from their heart and it adds that extra something to it, the same can be said for ritual. So you've taken the time to learn the words you've taken the time to get the pronunciations correct the vibration correct the directions correct the motions correct all of a sudden it takes a life upon it upon its own right it becomes something more um and i've noticed like every time i've done the ritual it 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 doesn't happen all the time but more and more and more uh after committing it to memory and after doing it every day um it changes it becomes stronger um, and to the point where it's not just words, but it's literally vibrating inside. In, it's an internal vibration inside the whole body. I can feel it in like a circle in the palms of my hands. It feels like it's uh, when the when the seraphim name is is vibrated. I can feel the vibration in the palms of my hands. I can feel it in the bases of my feet, and that doesn't come from reading it from a book every time. So it's okay to read it from the book and, but have the goal to actually commit it to memory to the point where you no longer need any, anything. And you're, you're saying that ritual from and you're expressing it through your will, right? So the act of magic is creating change from your will, from force of will. And this is, this is the stepping stone to start building that will. So you start off reading it and then you know it, and then you portray it directly from yourself. You're projecting. Yeah, now listen, and I'll, I'll get John to repeat this back. So a good way to give you an example of this is I would say you don't want to go around saying, Ate, Malkut, Begebra, Begedula. Yeah, you, so John, intone how they should say it. Ate. 
Malkut Vegebera Vegedula La Elohim Amen. You guys hear the difference? That is what we're talking about when we say we want you to intone and project. You really want to make your entire body vibrate. So you're getting it way down into the diaphragm and pulling it way out. You're expressing to spirit your intention with that too as well as you're feeling it. You're feeling the intention and you're letting that flow out from your lips into the air and carry on the winds. That's the whole point is to force it out into that area of energy around you where it actually vibrates and everyone feels it. Yep. That's, that's the goal. But when you're first starting, don't sweat it. Just, yeah, just learn it. Make some flashcards. <laughs> Whatever way helps you learn, it's okay. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. It's not a race. Have some jerk across the room from you that yells, you missed one. <laughs> yeah, because she's got the book in front of her. You know, and, and but you know what? Whatever works. And, and that happens. And, and we're human. You know, no matter what, we're human, right? So even somebody who has studied for, for decades and decades, they're human. They make mistakes. They forget things. They say the wrong word. It's okay. And for those starting out, you should know that. It's it's not uh, theater. The only audience is, is the gods and your coven mates. And if they can't accept the fact that, you know, you, you make a fumble here and there, then, you know, screw them. Maybe they're not your tribe. You know, you because coven. It's, everybody does it. So I think one of the th- things is performance anxiety, right? Yes. People get nervous and they, they don't know what to do. Um, and they get nervous at ritual in front of other people and they, the spotlight's on them and, and they make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not a high pressure uh, place and it shouldn't be. Um, there are rituals where it's important that you get it right. Yeah. But those come in time and it's not something you're going to do, you know, right away. That's, this is part of, part of the learning curve and we're all going through it. I mean, we've been doing it a long time uh, um, and I still make mistakes and it happens. It, so what? Yeah. And people tell me sometimes, they say, but, you know, I will tell them that when I'm turning the specific directions and working with certain archangels, I see certain colors and I see the pentagram in flames of that color. And they'll say, but I can't visualize. I just can't. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. Close your eyes and just see a color. Just think about the color and focus and forget the color you're thinking about and speak the words. And then keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that over and over. And you may not visualize anything the first six, seven times. And then suddenly you'll realize, hey, wait a minute. Did I see colors that time? And you'll be like, oh, my God, I saw colors. I saw colors. And, you, <laughs> and, it, and it's great. And that's how that works. I mean, because it's hard. Because you're, you're retraining the mind when you're doing this, too. You're retraining the mind to react to different stimuli and you're actually retraining the mind to act to a very react to a very natural stimuli sound is the most natural stimuli that we have and so refine your voice a little refine your performance a little you know if you want to if it's easier for you to sing it sing it oh my god singing is one of the best things you can do for the ancestors and the gods i mean you know if you're singing and you can sing that with gravitas and and really give it your all that's honoring that's honoring them. That's a really respectable way to do it. If you can intone it to the point like John, that your very being from the from the diaphragm out is vibrating like that, that whole room is going to feel it. I can feel it when John does it. I can feel it when I'm across the room and I'm behind a countertop from him, that big countertop in the store. And he has stopped in the front and the middle to do the final banishing ritual of the pentagram. I can actually feel the waves coming off his voice, the vibration of it all. And that's that's the big thing. But what he's saying about bearing in mind what you're cleansing, when you go to start this ritual, as with any ritual, you think about what you want in your circle and what you don't want in your circle. Who you want in your circle and who you don't want in your circle. Like recently we had a medium come in. And she was a trans channeler. And a guy didn't want to hear from his mother, but his mother came through and he was like, 
fuck that bitch. I don't want to talk to her. Tell her I said to go to hell. You know, whatever. That's exactly how you need to be thinking about it in your circle. I get and that. And when you're cleansing, I totally get that. There's people from the great beyond. I don't care how much they change when they cross over. I still don't want to hear your voice. I haven't dealt with that part of my shadow. And you trigger my ass and you make me want to kill people. So, <laughs> so yeah, just stay over there. But, you know... Think about that when you're going into circle and you're doing your cleansing. What do you want in your sphere of reference here? Your circle is your sphere of reference. Your house is your sphere of reference. Your temple is your sphere of reference. What do you want inside it and what do you want outside it? And when you're doing the ritual, you want to hold that intention. While you're learning it, don't worry so much about it. Um, you'll call them back. You'll go, you'll talk to spirits that you know and ancestors that you know and go, God, I don't feel you anymore. I'm so sorry. Will you come back and call them back in? And something that John does at the store every day is he feeds every, every single deity in that building. So if he's going by a statue of that deity, they're going to get a fragrance and they're going to get their name called. And they're going to be honored. And then that's why our ritual takes so long that people be standing outside the door waiting for the blessing to end. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we're blessing. Just wait a minute. You know, and it's 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And they're like, what the hell are they doing in there? We're doing the right thing. We're sorry, like, witches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're offering them incense and we're giving them praise and we're showing our gratitude and we're sharing our table with them. So I always want you to go at this like you're going to share your table. Your temple is your table. Your house is your table. You're sharing your table. You're offering for these gods and these ancestors to come and sit with you. And why would they want to sit with you if you don't have anything to offer? So if you have very little to offer, put a pitcher of water on the table. At least you're offering something. I don't care if it's a plastic tumbler or a paper cup that you had from the 7-Eleven down the street. Put it on the table. It's the intent. Offer that for them. It's the yeah, intent. It you've absolutely taken, is. You've taken time and you, you have an understanding and you're showing the understanding that you're grateful, right? So, you know, unlike some of the Abrahamic religions, we don't typically get on our knees and ask our deities to do things for us no our deities are kind of like get off your ass and you know maybe we'll help you out do the work but they work beside you not for you and that's that's a especially if you're a, you know recovering christian and coming from that world where you know you're you're prostrating before prostrating 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 would be weird um if you're don't stick that in my prostate <laughs> wait i don't have one of those exit only lady um no offense uh, but uh what was i saying completely lost my train especially of if you're prostrating before yeah you. so i call it genuflecting just to get around the that's, prostate. that's an even worse word i'll never that's way too many syllables um but uh you know, we we don't we don't beg and, no. and nor would they want us to, you know, look who our gods are. And we don't tithe. Have, have you read anything about Odin? Yeah. Have you, have you read anything about Loki? How about Morgan? How about, yeah, the Morgan. <laughs> yeah. You think she, uh, yeah. We used to, <sighs> we used to say, uh, the gods we know ain't short on cash. There you, there you go, Chris. There's another yeah. plug for yeah. you. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's, that's a good one too. Um, but they also expect us, you know, to do the work, to, to do the work. To, to learn the words, to learn the rituals, to learn the lore, to learn all the things. You have to learn all the things, as many things as you can. You know what always reminded you me know. of that was the Sator Square. What is that saying that goes with that about the plowshares? Yeah, it's basically nobody knows what the fuck it means. But it, <laughs> but it, it does. It, it's, it, like the, it's a the, reminder. The plowman shall be rewarded for hard work or, I don't know, yeah. Mark Stavish, if you're listening, I'm sure. I'll, hey, help I'll, us, Mark. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a, a five-page treatise on what that supposed to mean thou shalt be rebuked you know you know what a sator square is but yeah it always reminds me of that that you gotta put your hands on the wheel you gotta put your hands on the plow you gotta get your ass out in the field and do the work and if you'll do that then we'll reward you I think the dude's name was a repo yeah, a ripple. <laughs> that's that's the summation. But you know, Sator Square is interesting. You know, it's a very very ancient talisman found on the walls of Pompeii. It's it's found in you know many many medieval graves across um, England and um, the old Gaulish places. And it's it's a uh, it's an interesting talisman sure. of protection. Luck. I don't know how good of a protection of luck it was for the Pompeians. <laughs> But um, maybe maybe they had it in the in the wrong direction. <laughs> that goes to 
learning learning your your things right, <laughs> right. so you know <laughs> steve you turned on the, the wrong wall <laughs> wrong wall steve wrong wall oh my god maybe directions do matter guys maybe they do yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah they def- <laughs> definitely do um but you know point being that that our our deities you know look they were they were warrior tribes farm tribes they weren't exactly into beggars right no. they expect you to pull your weight and part of that weight is learning the histories. Learn, you know, if you're a Wiccan, then you should know the history of your religion. Yes. That should go without saying. You, you shouldn't, should know uh, where your great right comes uh, from. You shouldn't have a speaker come in to give you knowledge on, um, and, and you don't even know the basics. Yeah. You know, you're wasting time. So the, the, the information is there, and, and it's readily, readily available. You just have to look. And, and this is part of the expectation of, of, of the gods. It's the expectation of your brothers and sisters. They expect, you know, if you're going to be part of a coven, that you know, you know your histories. You know, if you don't know who Doreen Valiente is, you, you might want to learn. That's yeah. a, it's important. Gerald Gardner. If, if you don't know where you come from, how are you going to know yeah. where you're going? Yeah. And it, history is very important. It is. And nothing will rub an old head practitioner wrong faster than someone who cl- makes a lot of extraneous claims but doesn't know the basics. Yeah. And the basics are your history. History. If you don't learn anything else before you cast a single circle, learn. Learn about where it comes from. Learn the history of that particular tradition. You know, if it you just strengthens your work. The ones that throw off on Crowley and don't understand that he was the inspiration for a lot of it. You know, yeah. it's it's just basic stuff, right? So, especially in the age of information where it's literally at your fingertips, there's no excuse, right? And we're always going to run across something that we don't know, right? So, yeah. you're going to have an elder say something, well, you know about this, don't you? And you're going to look gonna at him like, uh, blank stare. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> and and you're going to nod, like, nervously. <laughs> part of this is taking correction, right? I mean, <clears throat> e- even at this point in time, I'm happy to take correction if someone is giving proper information if i mispronounce something i want to know but you, yeah you, if yeah. you're going to correct you you better be right yeah because we're definitely going to look it up <laughs> and call you on it you know <laughs> and it's not a gotcha game it's just oh he he or she pointed out something that maybe maybe i need to look into maybe i glossed over that in the early years and you go back and you read into it and, oh shit they're right yeah and that's part of it and it's part of testing ourselves against other practitioners and becoming a better one ourselves if we didn't have these elders making fun of us <clears throat> we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to get better right yeah. and it's not a personal thing or an ego or an attack on you it's you know hey no. maybe you need to you know, tighten that up a little bit and, and there's a lot of people that told us wrong things and we trusted oh yeah yeah because we, we couldn't see any reason why they would tell us the wrong way but i don't think they were disingenuous about it i just think they didn't really know they didn't understand it and they were just going off what they've been told and that's much like what has happened in a lot of religion because if you look at the christian religion you look at all the things that people take literally these days and it's it's really an allegorical tale and it's meant to be taken as an allegorical tale you're supposed to look at the deeper mysteries of it you're not supposed to take it literally if you were taking it literally you couldn't wear polyester and cotton at the same time or eat shellfish or you're going to hell you best not eat any pig you're gonna you're gonna die boy you're gonna burn Mm -hmm. but that happens a lot it happens a lot so we've been in that same we've been in that same boat We've been told wrong things, like we were telling you in the last episode about the Celtic tree oracle, you know, the Celtic the Celtic tree alphabet, and how we fell for that. Because, man, it was pretty. <laughs> oh, it's, you know? it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a beautiful, if you've never seen the deck, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was stunning. Absolutely beautiful. But it was romantic nonsense. It's absolute bullshit, <laughs> but it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, so don't, don't think that we're being authorities on this. And oftentimes I'm wrong, or oftentimes I learn something, an entirely new way of looking at a piece of ceremonial magic history or Luciferianism or something like that that had never dawned on me before because I'm hearing another person's perspective. And that's the beauty of this, you know, this way of life is that we're not so misaligned and outrageously passionately attached to the the information that we're going to want to damn you to hell for getting it wrong. We And we want to hear other people's ways of practice because when you come 
into this life and you become a more spiritual person, you kind of start to see that all spirituality is beautiful and it has its own ways and you get really attracted to it. So don't let us put you off. We're just mouthing off about what we've seen and it's happened to us. We've been victims too. So Yeah, don't yeah, feel bad. Don't feel bad. Yeah. But uh, I think that's going to wrap today up. We're almost at the hour mark here. And uh, again, if you've made it this far, awesome. I know we had a secret word uh, for the uh, first episode, and we, we had uh, a handful of people that actually listened to the episode yes. and uh, responded in kind. So um, what do you want to do? Just do a drawing? Or? By the time this episode lands, we will have done a live drawing for that before this episode. And we're right at the end. So you had to listen to us drawn on forever. I'm thinking what? Sator Square? Sator. Sator. So. S-A-T-O-R. Drop us a line and tell us what the secret word of the day is. And do yourself a favor and look it up because it's really kick-ass. It's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and these, these aren't going to be in every episode. They're just going to be kind of random. You yeah. never know when there's going to be one and when yeah. there's not going to be one. Yeah. Um, it's just a. Uh, you know, it's fun. And, and here's the caveat for this contest this time. You have to like us, follow us, share, and in Piggy Weed's messenger, send us the word Sator Square and that's in order the, to be entered. That's like, share, the and, and subscribe to the podcast. Yes. Yes. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Yep. And then send us a Facebook messenger um, if you don't have Facebook, just shoot us an email, pickyweeds at gmail.com, or you can just uh, come to the store and whisper it in one of our ears. Yes. Secret word, Sator. Don't tell anybody. It's a secret. That's right. Don't let them know. You get, you get a 10% discount if you don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we're signing off for now. and uh, Have a great night. Take care. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of In the Weeds, and we hope you didn't have to pick too much pucker brush off your cloak after visiting with us here. If you liked the episode, please follow, subscribe, and share. And if you're really kind, leave a positive review. Be sure to tune in next week as we publish a new episode weekly. If you're in the area, stop by the store and see us. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.